speaks to you. It's always polite to speak back. Let's try that again. Good morning, folks. I know you, I figured you had a mommy too, amen? Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 1, verse number 15 through verse number, uh, about verse number 17. Tonight, I'm going to uh, preach my testimony, and I'm going to uh, uh, have a little time after services to uh, let you ask the questions, if it's all right, preacher. And uh, I, can ask, I can answer any question you ask. I may have to say I don't know, but that's an answer, amen. <laughs> amen. Hey, I want you to know this. We ought to have a good time in church, amen. amen. When I got saved, uh, I got in, and uh, with me and my wife had camp meeting time that day, and I've never gotten over it. I just never gotten over it. You know, I might just take off and shout every once in a while. I used to go in, when I was pastoring, and I do it now every once in a while, but I'd go into Walmart probably about once a month, and I'd just walk in in the middle, and I'd see somebody I knew over there. One day, time I saw a pastor, he was my friend, and his wife was uh, my third cousin, and he was about 50 feet from me, 75 feet, something like that. I said, hey, Brother Darnell, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Said, yes, I do. <laughs> and we stood there and talked for about, five or six, seven minutes about the Lord, back and forth each other. People stopped, people stood, people listened, but we got the gospel out. And when it was over with, I had a bunch of folks come up to me and say, man, I've never seen anything like that. So I, I said, I wish I could be that bold. I said, you can be. You can be. Just get right with God. You know, the reason you're not bold is you're not right with God. You got something to say, say it. And talk to people about Christ. You say, well, you lost me now. You offended me. Well, thank you. I'm glad I did. <laughs> oh, me. I'm having a good time serving the Lord. I enjoyed your pastor and family yesterday. It's always good to see a preacher having a good family and everything going on. But I'm going to preach a little while this morning on I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, I want you to know, I realize this is a, the Sunday before Easter and everything, and Palm Sunday and all that, uh, but uh, to me, the most important thing to be preached is Christ. And he's the center of the gospel. Without him, there would be no gospel. I'm getting ready to teach this summer in a Bible Institute in the church where I'm going to be uh, helping them to train some interns and things of this order. And I'm going to be preaching in the Bible Institute, and I'm going to be preaching on, on Christology or Christology. And one of the things I have learned over this period of years, there's a lot of people out here that's going to hell because they don't believe that Jesus Christ is totally God and totally man. You can't separate them. When you get to heaven, you're going to see Jesus in his glorified body. You're going to see him on the throne because you'll not see the Father, for God is a spirit, 
And they that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. You won't see the Holy Spirit because he's a spirit. But you'll see Jesus. He's God. He said, if you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In the beginning was, and God, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Darkness along the face of the deep. And John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same God in Genesis 1 is the same God in John 1. So you have to understand that. You've got some of these people out here who say, I can't, I can't understand it. I don't understand it either. There's a lot of things in this Bible I don't understand. But I believe what it says in the context where it says it. Amen. So let's just have a good time this morning. Don't spit the word out. And you say, I don't like your, I've already just sat here five minutes or four minutes. I don't like your personality. Don't worry about it. I don't like it me anyway. I don't like it myself, amen. But that's what I got. And that's what you're going to get this morning, the power of God, the presence of God, and the work of God. I want you to, if you're able to stand, stand with me for the reading of the word of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel of you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of of God revealed from faith to faith that is written, the just shall live by faith. I'm going to, in this message, deal hopefully with all of this. The person of the gospel is Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel is God. I want you to notice here in this passage of Scripture, he said, uh, he said uh, uh, here, for it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. And then the product of the gospel. What does it produce? Father, we thank you for Jesus. I pray here this morning that you will guide us, direct us. We have an opportunity to present the gospel of Christ, who he is and what he has done. So we thank you this morning that everyone here uh, is uh, present, and I pray that they might pay attention and listen to the word of God and obey the word of God. In Jesus' name, if there's somebody here lost, open their heart, show them that they are lost and going to hell, and save them for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. When I got saved in 1965 on the 26th day of June, about 2.30 in the afternoon, my whole life has changed. Brother John Aldridge and Brother Tommy Stone led me to Christ. I had a revival meeting, but they came to my home and led me to Christ. And I've never gotten over that. I have served God, got in church, got baptized, and I've never been out of church. Uh, you know, I've uh, told my wife one time, I said I was kind of discouraged about some people in church, and, and uh, you know, Baptists discourage anybody. Have you ever noticed that? 
By the way, the Baptist is going to get to heaven first. I got Bible for that. The dead in Christ shall rise first. <laughs> There's not nothing more deader than a dead Baptist church, amen. But you know, one of the things about it is that uh, I was drinking my coffee that morning, had my Bible open. I said, I think I'm just going to resign and quit. I'm going to quit preaching. I'm going to go somewhere and get me a little farm, and I'm going to farm a while, build things, and, and make a living that way. She said, shut up and drink your coffee. She said, you're not going to quit. You've never quit anything. I said, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> you know. So I want to ask you this morning, who is the person of the gospel? The person of the gospel. Let's look in Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 1. Who is the person of the gospel? Now, one of the problems that we have is we have this problem that we know some things, but we don't know what we know. So Jesus is the person of the gospel. He says in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, now he's talking to the saved folk. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That was his kinsman. He wanted them saved. For I bear record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So they have a zeal. They had a zeal. A lot of people have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to do it by works. A lot of people today are trying to do it by works. They're trying to establish their uh, righteousness by works and giving and doing and all these things. You don't get the righteousness of God by works. You get the righteousness of God by being born again, becoming a new creature in Christ. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and are going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And there it is. When you get saved, you have to submit yourself to Christ. And it's not a matter of this business of a one-time thing. When you get saved, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. You're a bond slave. You're born again. You are a servant. You do not have any right to tell God what to do. You can ask him what he wants you to do, but you don't have any right to tell God what to do. Well, I want you to understand this, that when you study this Bible and get into it and begin to believe it, it will change your thinking radically. It did mine. Because this book is completely opposite to the flesh, and the flesh can never please God. You remember this? saying it, I've heard it for years. People say, only that which is done for Christ will last. You ever heard that? That's an erroneous statement. Only that which is done by Christ will last. You see, if you're not doing it by the power of God and filling of the Holy Spirit, you're doing it in the flesh. And God has never been pleased with your works of the flesh. Stop and think about that. See, that's the problem we have in our churches today. We have people that are not right with God. They just come floating in and floating out, and they, they go, they're going to do their own thing their own way. 
Nobody going to tell me what to do. I had a, a lady one time, she was upset. I taught on the home, and I dealt with this business about submission, and I dealt with this business about how that when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you submit one to another, even that a man or sometimes has to submit to his wife because she might know some things about things that he don't know. And so if you're filled with God, you're not fighting. And there's no problem about having a good, a good relationship in the marriage if you'll get it all in order. And you know, my wife got a hold of that thing before I got saved. And she changed when she got saved. And we had a wonderful marriage. We had a, a great marriage before, but we had a wonderful marriage after she got saved. Now, for five years, I gave her a fit, you know, and I tell her, I, I, I tried to make her do things that I knew she wasn't going to do. And she'd look at me with them big brown eyes. Tears come in her. And she'd say, honey, you're not going to make me do something that God doesn't want me to do, will you? You're not going to do that, are you? I'm just trying to walk out of the house. She knew how to appeal to me. And she knew how to submit to me. But she knew how to do it godly. Now you need to know how to submit to Christ. Just come to him and say, Lord, I, I'm a mess. I'm trying to do it my way. Help me to see your way. And help me to do it. And submit to him. And you know what will happen? You're going to change. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believeth. So I don't have to have the law to be righteous. He is the end of the law. The law is righteous. But the law was given as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And when he went to the cross of Calvary, he took upon himself the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future. And when I got saved, I became a child of God. And you became a child of God if you're saved. And you need to understand that you belong to him. You don't have any business of doing anything without his permission. I had a young lady one time come in with a fellow in Canada. Her daddy brought her in to me. And she was a member of our church, and she brought this guy in. He looked like he had had a mattress explosion in his hair. And, I mean, you know, he was all, he was, all, he, he was just grungy looking and all that. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, Lord, Lord. And he said, the daddy said, they've come and said, we want you to marry them. I said, hmm. Thinking to myself, what am I going to do about this? So I got the truth, so I just got to say the truth. I said, Young man, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? And he said, No, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to listen about God. I don't want God. I said, Well, I can't perform the wedding. The Bible says that two will not be unequally yoked, and I can't perform the wedding. And she said. But, Pastor, he believes there's a God. I said, the devil believes there's a God. But he's not born again. And I said, I can't do that. Well, they left mad at me. The, she was a church member, and her daddy was a church member. And he told me, 
said, uh, I don't know what they're going to do now. I said, they're probably just going to shack up. And I said, well, I can't help that. I said, I hadn't called from the stand. I said, you have, and they did. And, of course, you know who got blamed for it? For their sin. Because the preacher wouldn't do what they wanted to do, and they wanted to fulfill their lust. Well, let me just tell you something. If you're going to walk with God, there's going to come times when you're going to have to tell people no. I had to come to a time in my life whenever after I got saved, I had to sit down and talk to my daddy about some things. And I said, Daddy, I'm not going there anymore, and I'm not going to do those things anymore. I love you. But I said, I'll be a son, but I'm not going that direction. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. And I started weeping. And, and he said, well, son, said I, uh, I've looked at them preachers, and he's a, he was a night marshal in town. He said, I've watched them preachers and deacons go over and drive through the liquor store window and get their liquor. And he said, I'm a better man than most of them are. And I said, you are, Daddy. You probably are. But being a better man doesn't make you get to heaven. You must be born again. Well, he finally got saved. But you know, one of the things about it is that if you're ignorant of God's righteousness and you're trying to do it by the law, Christ is the end of the law. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. And you can't do that. You can't do it. They tried it. A lot of people still tried it. But let me just tell you something. You can't live the Ten Commandments unless you get saved. Then you're going to live them. Not a problem. You got one that's the Eleventh Commandment. The greatest is love. And you need to understand that the Bible is very clear that on uh, these commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The very, these are, that's the ark, uh, that's the key in the ark that holds together the word of God. Hang all the law and the prophets. But when you get saved, you begin to try to walk with God. And whenever you get, and you, if you don't do everything you ought to do, and of course I know some of you are righteous and you never do anything wrong, but me and the preacher do wrong every once in a while. You know, we got to fool with you. <laughs> Amen. I get anybody upset. Have you ever fooled with a bunch of Baptists that are hard headed? <laughs> don't look at me like that. <laughs> the problem is <coughs> when you get saved you think well you're going to live you know we're going to do right all the time well I'm here to bust your bubble you still got a fleshly body and you've got to crucify the flesh it's already crucified you just got to reckon it dead <coughs> now the problem with people is this. They like what they're doing. They like their sin. Amen? Nod your head so I can see the marbles rattle. Amen? Amen.
But here's what the problem. Now, where did that go? Oh, here it is. Getting old is a, is a pinch. You know that? <laughs> but the other side of the corn is not even the ball game. But you know, one of the things about it is I have Jesus and I can repent. If I ask him to forgive me, he'll forgive me. He'll forgive me seven times 77. I just need to come back with a repented heart. I fail, but he never fails me. And he is the person of the gospel. I want you to notice this. He says, but the righteousness which of the faith, of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to, be in Christ, to bring Christ down from above. Who shall descend to the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now here's the problem about this verse of Scripture. Many people have never understood this one verse of Scripture here. I want you to read what it says. Now look at it and read it. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Huh? You've got to confess him as Lord. That word Lord means that he is God. He's the supreme being. You've got to recognize that Jesus is God. And you've got to recognize that he's the God of heaven. And the word Jesus uh, means Savior that he is the Savior, and God is our Savior. The Bible says that clearly. And so when you come to this passage of Scripture dealing with somebody about their soul, make them understand that Jesus is God. The one that went to the cross of Calvary is God incarnate. And Acts said that God purchased the church with his own blood. It was not the blood of a man, was the blood of God. That means that you cannot separate his deity and his humanity. That's what called in theological terms, it's called a hyperstatic union, and it cannot be ruptured. If you could separate his deity and his humanity, you would rupture the, the uh, way of salvation. But you can't do that. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That night, that, that afternoon when I got saved, I knew Jesus was God. I already figured that out. I read the Bible through twice before I was saved. I figured out Jesus was God. But I didn't want to get saved because I was happy in my sin. But you know what happened? When God showed me an uncapped hell and showed me I was going there, Seven days before I got saved, I was hunting, buddy. I was looking. And whenever Tommy Stone read that verse of Scripture, but God commends his love towards us, and when we 
uh, his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the first time in my life, 27 years of my life, that I understood that Jesus died for me personally. You put him on the cross. You put him on the cross. I put him on the cross. You put him on the cross. He died for you personally. And whenever you accept that, you're on the road to salvation. And I accepted it and trusted him in my heart. He says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I had a lady in Canada. She uh, came for five Sundays, and I always let people come uh, unless they ask me to come visit them and hear me preach for a few Sundays. And she came Sunday morning, Sunday night. And on the fifth Sunday uh, morning, I asked her, I said, uh, uh, would you mind if my wife and I came to visit you sometime this week? She said, oh, can you come Monday? I said, come about lunchtime, about 11 o'clock, 11.30, and I'll have a lunch. And I said, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. So we went there, me and the wife, and sat down. Fixed us a wonderful lunch. When we got through, I just pulled my chair over by her chair and laid my Bible down where she could read it with me. And I began to question her. I said, do you believe you're lost? She said, oh, yeah, I believe I'm lost. I said, do you believe that, uh, uh, that uh, you need salvation? She said, yes, that's what I want. I want salvation. I said, well, uh, let me ask a couple other things. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate? Yes, I believe that. Do you believe that Jesus was resurrected? His body was resurrected. And she looked at me, I mean, just looked at me real startled and said, I believe in a spiritual resurrection. I said, what? I said, you believe that there's somewhere that Jesus' body rotted? And she said, yes. I just closed my Bible. I said, ma'am, as long as you believe that, you can't get saved. You know what she said to me? She said, if I believe that, I'll just have to go to hell. I said, that's where you're going. Now, you're, you're, uh, uh, you can come. You're welcome to come hear me preach, but you're going to hear this over and over again. And that woman never did get saved. You have to believe the resurrection. If you don't believe the resurrection, uh, you're in real trouble. Paul said, if there be no resurrection... We have all men most miserable. But I believe the resurrection. I got to say, now look here what he said. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now let me ask you something. Does that mean this mouth right here? If I so, a deaf mute cannot get saved. Because he cannot articulate that. That has to be in your soul. That's inside. And then later on, you take this and you testify that you're saved. That's what it's talking about. The prayer doesn't save you. The confession with your mouth doesn't save you. The belief in your heart saves you. And when you believe in your heart, you'll know it. 
You'll know it. And then he goes on to say, I'm having a good time. I don't know whether you are or not. I'm having a good time. He goes on to say uh, that believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you believe in your heart. And I've told people that if you get to searching for God, he'll find you. I believe what Spurgeon said, that a seeking sinner and a seeking Savior never fail to meet. I came to the radio station in Slidell, Louisiana. I was pastor and I had a radio program. Went about probably 200 miles radius, you know, around where I was at. And uh, I always did it alive with one of my associates did. And I came in that morning, and uh, I was on at 8.30, and I walked into the, uh, uh, the station, and the, uh, the engineer said, hey, preacher, said you got a package here from Australia. I said, Australia, yeah. So I picked it up and went on in, did my program, went home. Well, you know, service didn't start, Sunday school didn't start at 10 o'clock, so I went to the house and got a cup of coffee, and, and I sat there, and I opened that package. And a cassette tape fell out. And in it was a letter. And a fellow said, and I corresponded with him for about two and a half, three years. He said, I'm at a ranch or out back at a ranch, out back station. Nobody here much to me and nobody here knows God. He said, I got a hold of a King James Bible. I started reading it. And he said, I began to want to know about this salvation. I asked God, God, Show me, get somebody, tell, get somebody to tell me about this salvation. He said, I got up one morning and said, I turned the radio on and you were preaching. 6,000 miles around the curvature of the earth. He said, you were preaching. And said, you were dealing in Romans chapter 10 about salvation. And he said, I listened to you and I got saved. And he said, uh, uh, I heard you five times and said, this is one of the messages. He taped it and wrote me a letter, a good letter. And he said, I want to know what else I need to do to serve Lord, the Lord. So I sent him some tapes and I sent him literature and all that, you know, for about two and a half years. And then uh, we just quit corresponding. I don't know exactly what happened. But you know what? That taught me something. God is more interested in people than I am. And if I will get like God, I'll be interested in people. You know, people will go to hell if they're not saved. So we need to reach them. When I went into Canada, I started walking those streets, got on the radio. People started coming. They started getting saved. I preached from September, October, November, December to the last of January before somebody walked down the aisle that day. I didn't give up. I got on the radio, and people started getting saved on the, on the, on the radio. I had people, I was walking in a, when I, I had this several times, but this was a certain day, a certain day was getting groceries, and it was wintertime, and my wife, I never let her go out in that bad weather. I drove with her, you know, because she could slip off the road, and I tried to protect her. And she's getting groceries, and I just following her around, talking to her. Uh, she, she told me when I'm getting the grocery store, she said, I don't get anything. I've got certain things I get, and I don't get anything. Your wife tells you that too, Brother Johnson, amen? 
he said, now I've got a budget. He said, now you're going to go over my budget. He said, don't get stuck. Okay, so I'm walking around just talking to her. And this fellow's following us around. I look back and went on to another aisle. He's following along behind us. And I could tell that he wanted to talk to me, but he didn't know what to say. I turned around and said, sir, can I help you? He start, walked up to me about five or six feet from me. He, he said, are you Pastor Osteen? I said, yes, I am. Tears started trickling down his cheeks. He said, I live 150 kilometers from here. And I've been down, I was down to St. John today and said, I, I listen to you every Sunday morning on the radio and said, I got saved listening to you on the radio. He said, when I heard that voice, I knew it was you. Listen to me, folks. God is in the business of trying to save people. I was walking across the parking lot in Canada all about 10 years ago, 9 years ago, 19, but I reckon, I reckon it wasn't that long. It was probably about 6 years ago. And uh, I walked up to this guy. I was just walking across there. And uh, the preacher's wife wanted to make some gumbo, and she asked me could I help her. And I said, yeah, I can teach you to do it. So we went to town and got some sausage and stuff. And you can't buy good sauce in that part of the world. <laughs> well, we got the best we could, amen. <laughs> and so anyway, we coming back. I, I, so I'm going out to meet with the preacher, and she's got going to pay for it and get it all done, you know. So I'm walking out across the parking lot. This guy walked up. He's about six foot five or six. Probably weighed 300 pounds. Big dude. I walked up to him, and I said, uh, hey, man. He said, yeah. I said, uh, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? He said, I sure do, Pastor Osteen. I said, hmm. I said, how do you know me? He said, I got saved when I was 12 years old. My grandfather was a preacher, and he brought me over the river there, the Kennebecasius River, uh, to go to your services. I said, I remember you, but you was quite, wasn't quite this big. <laughs> and I said, you still saved? He said, yes, sir, and I'm still serving God. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. But God's in the business of saving people. Now listen to me carefully. I got to quit. You know, but that'll make any difference. You, some of y'all have quit already. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not calling upon the name of the Lord that saves you. It's believing in your heart. And you call on him in your heart. And then you testify of it. How then shall they hear, uh, how shall then they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. For they have not all obeyed the gospel, but Isaiah said, Lord, uh, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's it's imperative that they have the word of God. I was preaching over a few years ago in an uh, island out there that's uh, owned by Quebec. And they have parted on that island that they've got some English people. This young man was 
pastured on an island in a place where there's some English people. So we went over on the other, we was on another island, but went over on this main island, and we're holding service at a gym. We had good service and good crowds and people saved. We was having this ice cream supper one night. And uh, after services, I heard some going on out in the street, and I went out there and looked out, and there must have been 20, 25 teenagers. I think it was 23 of them. Teenagers out there playing, just riding a bicycle, just having a good time. It wasn't being rowdy or anything. I said, hey, young people, you want some ice cream? We've got plenty. Boy, they stopped and got off their bicycles, and I got off their skateboards and come in, and I sat them down. I said, now, have you all ever heard the gospel preached? said, no, we never heard it. None of them. I said, you have a Bible? Don't have a Bible. Well, I have brought to Canada uh, five or six cases of Bibles from uh, from Barren Precious Seed that they gave me to give to the preacher. He had them there. And I said, I'll tell you what. If you'll come back tomorrow night and hear me preach, I'll give you a Bible. They said, we'll be here. All of them came back. None of them got saved because they'd never heard the gospel before, but they got a Bible and they got a taste of the gospel. But you know what? There's people all over the world like that. That's why you send people like me. You see, there's a field out there that you cannot work in because you're not there. But I'm working in your field doing what God's called me to do. I want to ask the question here this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. How many of you here this morning, raise your hand and say, Preacher, I'm saved. I know that if I die at this moment, I would go to heaven. Slip your hand up. Let me see. Real high. I want you to slip it up real high now. If you don't know, don't, don't rip, raise your hand. Be honest. Put your hands down. How many of you slip up your hand and say, Preacher, I'm not saved. But I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. How many slip your hand up? Slip your hand up there. Anybody? Some of you couldn't raise your hand if you're saved. Evidently, you're lost and going to hell. But you need to know what? Jesus loves you and died for you. Anybody raise their hand and say, I'm not, I'm not saved, preacher? All right. I'm going to turn it over to the pastor now, but I'm going to pray for you before. And tonight you come back, and we're going to preach a little while. And bring somebody else with you. It'd be good if you'd just bring, come back and bring somebody with you and fill this place up. Father, bless this time we've had with the Word of God. Bless, Lord, the power of the Word of God. Bless the power of the gospel. And, Father, I pray that you might speak to every heart and every person might go away from here wanting to serve you with all their heart. And that one that's lost, Lord, don't let them get away from this message and the understanding that God loves them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, preacher. As the piano plays, if God has spoken to your heart, I want to encourage you to have a time of prayer and decision there in your seat. We talked about submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there an area of your life that you need to submit to him in? Maybe somebody needs to Submit to him regarding baptism, maybe church membership, maybe some other area that the Lord is speaking to your heart about. Let's, uh, let's say yes, Lord, to your will and to your word.
all of us have been encouraged and challenged to get the gospel out to those in our sphere of influence. So as Ms. Pat begin or continues to play, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer.